Is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? Yeah. There's your face. Yeah. Oh, look at that. I'm in a new corner of uh, of the apartment because previous episodes I sound um, sound kind of echoey. Yeah. I don't know why. So this time, trying trying a different different setup. I'm I'm in a new room. Yeah, I noticed. What's that painting behind you? Oh, that's a uh, like from a like a school mural of the animals of the Pacific. Oh, really? It has a whale. We've been singing songs in which uh, we just look at the various animals on the picture and imagine them eating meatballs. You mean uh, you by we? You mean you and the other poets of the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, mostly I just mean me. <laughs> But um, I'm in a my I have an office now in my house. Oh my wow! All in one place. Eddie, that looks maybe, great. Maybe I should turn it this way. The books will help muffle things. No, you sound there fine. Does that look more? The problem's me. That look more authorial. Yeah, it really does. Hi. It looks my like my name uh, is Ed Skoog, and these are my books. <laughs> when uh, CNN patches you in to talk about literature, as they do, that's where you can sit yeah. to look authorial. Don't look too closely. Most of them are small boxes of cereal. <laughs> but they're book-like. I read them as I eat my cereal. Some oh, yeah. of my first reading, significant reading experiences yeah. were at the kitchen table with my brother, um, eating cereal and reading, uh, reading the boxes as sure. they stood before us. On the, you- uh, uh, like like Stelle. Do you kids still in, do this? Uh, Pre-Columbian uh, archaeological sites. <laughs> really? I don't even know yeah. what Stella are. Could you tell me? Oh, uh, it's like a, a a big stone sticking out of the ground with a bunch of writing on it. Okay, and that's where you yeah. would sit to have breakfast in those days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and cobras. Uh, very nice. I'm glad you have an office now. Um, do you share it with Jill, or is it d- Daddy's private space? Uh, there's a at the desk in here. She's preferring uh, to use a a uh, space that's in the kids' room uh, to do taxes and such, which means that everything's <laughs> constantly being moved and she wants keep on to- plugging her computer to plug in a. Uh, a little uh, piano. Uh, <laughs> she prefers to do taxes in the kids' room. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like I, I uh, know we have, I have friends who, who prefer to be paid to be hungover. You know, going mm-hmm. to work. You, know, you mix mix the unpleasant with the pleasant. Wait, yeah. no, it's too unpleasant. <laughs> Anyway, so we moved everything around in the house. Upstairs is now downstairs. Downstairs is now upstairs, and uh, it's it's uh, provided more physical space and a little more mental space. Good to get some work done. Do you know the song "The Grand Old Duke of York"? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, unfamiliar with it as a child, but uh, it's been in high rotation in the. Uh, Standing in line. He had, uh, what, 10,000 10, men? And then he marched them somewhere or another, and then he marched them back again, right? 
Up the hill. Oh, the, the hill. grand old Duke of York. <laughs> he had 10,000 men. He marched them up the hill and then he marched them down again. Yeah. And when he was, when they were up, they were up. And when, when they, they were, were down, down, they were down. down. And, when and when they, they were only halfway, halfway up, up, they were neither up nor down. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a beguiling song. Yeah. It starts with a... Uh, Kind of a uh, descending arpeggio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, is, is there is there a favored version of it in your household? Um, yeah, there's a puppy version and there's a cat version. <laughs> in which a puppy is marching ten thousand cats, and then a cat is <laughs> the grand old cat of York. Oh, or, yeah. I tried the great old uh, the grand old Tom of York. Um, Tom. But he did Tom York. He didn't get the reference. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. I I would love to hear a Radiohead Radiohead either a Radiohead cover of that song. That'd be good. I think a lot of I think they did a couple albums that are basically uh, extended space riffs on the Grand Old Duke of York. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, so uh, Fishing Buddies had a rough week. Yeah, well, you can go to hell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I, I have no hope. No, of course not. Hope is hope is has died. Yeah, you know the Bill Knott poem called History. No, I know Bill Knott, but not that poem. It's a poem called History, and it's uh, two words: hope, goose steps. <laughs> Got it. Ellipses. Lipsy's in between. But I do feel, um, I thought it was delightful for them to fail, although they'll, plenty of room for them to ruin everything for us. Mm-hmm. But I do feel a lot of uh, f- fatigue setting in, not just among us who have been fatigued since his name was first mentioned. Um, Sorry. But among his supporters. I didn't mention his name. I didn't say it just now. I didn't say it. Um, yeah, but my my barometer for this is just looking at the. Uh, um, now I'm 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 off. I, I have I'm on a strict diet of social media. Yeah. To try manage my outrage uh, into um, D- discreet uh, packets. Discreet packets of outrage. Yeah. yeah. But I do, uh, you know, I do have to check once in a while to see. Uh, what he's misspelled in his his toilet tweets, uh, and I, I've I've noticed uh, that the uh, the likes and retweets for his um, his utterances have uh, fallen off precipitously. Oh, really? Or during the uh, what would what he would consider the good old days? So we switched. By the way, we switched people. We're referring to now. Now we're talking about the Cheeto in Chief. Correct. Jeff are we Cheetah. still? We'll still. Are we still talking about Fish and Buddy? Oh no, we're talking about Trump. Okay. Um. And now he sends, you know, says something crazy or normal, and it gets about thirty thousand approval marks. Really? On Twitter. Yeah. Instead of a hundred thousand. Yeah, that seems 100. low. So well, I, I, I the the thing that uh, that. Uh, 
I found fascinating about this week's non-negotiations about healthcare was I, just this finally sinking into the Republicans, Ryan especially that that he's just he has he doesn't care he doesn't not interested in legislation okay. he doesn't know anything about it he's not gonna know anything about it and uh, he just doesn't he doesn't want to be involved in any way um, and I think I think most people who dislike him knew that a year ago. Yeah. But uh, it's shocking to me that um, it's taken this debacle for for Congress to realize that he's just for them to see it. totally checked out. Yeah. And the, the people, you know, his appointments that would be his policy managers uh, are, you know, who, you know, former House members, they don't really know how, they don't have any taste for it or really understand how it works or have any great pull. Yeah. Like Tom Price, uh, uh, you know, Pre- Priebus. Theoretically, would know, but you know, was not himself a member. Bannon has no, no. Pa- patience for legislative process. So, yeah, the fact the fact that 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 legislation is boring, the actual tedium of, of running a government is is not exciting. Yeah. Uh, except for the, the even even wars even the, the, I think the mechanics of running a war are boring. I think stands in our in in sanity's favor. That uh, I don't. I don't have any hope, though. Okay. okay. So I don't. Want, I don't need to be a curmudgeon about no, no, it. So I'm... early, we haven't spoken for. Uh, it's been days since yeah. we did a podcast. Yeah, it's been it's been a number of days. It's been hours. Have we even have we even spoken since we saw each other in D.C. At uh, very very briefly. The AWP uh, the AWP conference. All right, and that was in uh, January. No, February. No. February. Yeah. Well, we, it was great seeing you there. It was great to, to see you too. A number of nice breakfasts. Yep. Yep. Breakfast at the Tabard Inn. At the Tabard. Anyone who lives in DC, I highly recommend it. It's wonderful. I also recommend you do it with uh, with Ed Skook. Yeah, I like the Tabard. I. So what? I, can, uh, actually, before I forget, would you be interested in telling for our listeners the the joke? that you told Stephanie and me at breakfast at AWP, which you said was the hot hearing the joke was the highlight of your visit to Washington. I can't, I can't tell the Willie Nelson joke in these settings. I'm talking about the, uh, I'm talking about oh, the, the Jesus joke. joke. It was told by, um, uh, it was told by the poet Alan Shapiro. Okay. Although I, I, I imagine he didn't write it. He's a writer of many fine things, a poet that, that one should be familiar with, but, I think he had, he was relaying this joke that he had heard that um, involves the uh, the Last Supper. Yeah, I believe. Yes, is that what you call it? Yeah, you'd call it the Last Supper. Yeah, I grew up relatively unchurched, so I'm not sure what these things. The last meal? No, I was meal. I was mildly churched. Right. The last fourth meal. Right. The last brunch. The last brunch. <laughs> well, Jesus looks up from his uh, from his plate and says that before the cock crows thrice, uh, one of you will betray me. And they're all surprised. They drop their monocles <laughs> and, and their soups. 
Peter comes and says, Is it me, Lord? Jesus says, Peter, you are the rock on which I will build my church. You'll never betray me. Judas comes and says, Is it me, Lord? He says, Wait, I fucked it up. Yeah, you fucked I it fucked up. up the joke. Judas is third. Yeah, yeah I, messed, I messed it up. I can't tell. What's the punchline? <laughs> to get to the other side of the road? The punchline is... I, did, I grew up relatively unchurched. I'm not sure how that joke is. Is it me, Lord? <laughs> Why did Judas cross the road? <laughs> because he made betrayal in his heart. <laughs> to get to the other side. <laughs> So I think I actually think that messing up the joke is better than telling the joke. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to tell jokes. <laughs> well, you did a fine job at breakfast. I thought I just want to say for the record that that was a that was a good AWP, and the reason is I didn't plan to do anything with anyone. If anyone no. wanted to hang out, I just sent them. I made a web page with my schedule on it, telling people where I'd be at every moment. And uh, uh, some people went to the stuff, like when I was sitting at, at the electric lit table, uh, sometimes with you, people would just stop by and say hello. And uh, other, everything else was serendipitous. Somebody mm -hmm. said, hey, you want to go get a drink? And I did. Well, then that's what we did. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, just sort of, I actually spent some time in my hotel room reading. Mm-hmm. Did a little, uh, did a little walking around the uh, the great uh, institutions of American government, currently filled with miserable assholes. Yeah, and scowled at them. Did you scowl? Let me see the scowl. I did some scowl. Mm, oh yeah, very disapproving. I did very a, disapproving. I sent my children a, a disapproving selfie in front of the White House. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, AWP was fine. Yeah. I, uh, This is I, I, uh, it's a leading comment uh, because I know that you I know that it's vexatious to you and every year you almost don't go. Right. Next next year I'm actually going to make good on that. It's in Tampa. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to go to Tampa. Yeah, but yeah. it'll be it'll be nice out. Yeah. No. Uh, Do you remember that guy Ken who uh, Mary Park dated in Missoula? No matter what the weather was, he would say, "It's nice out." <laughs> no, I don't remember him. That guy just liked weather. Yeah, I uh, done. We've both done some traveling since then. Yeah, and I got a lot more to come too. The the weekend out. It's right uh, now available. Soon available at your <laughs> local Jiffy Lubes. <laughs> Broken River by J. Robert Lennon. <laughs> I wish. I wish it was at Jiffy Lubes. They should. They should. They should have a little uh, pop up. A little. A little. Uh, like a little cardboard display. Little Librio pop up at uh, <laughs> the Jiffy Lubes. <laughs> yeah, I for, would love that. For uh, um, you know, up to the moment literary fiction. You you let you jest, but. Uh, It'd be interesting. I, w I, I wish publishers would make more of an outreach to non-traditional, non-traditional uh, retailers. Like, because it's a very, 
It's a very Most receptive the time, audience there waiting for their oil to be changed. I mean, there's a TV at the Jiffy Lube, but it's usually very small, way up in the corner, and no one knows where the remote is. You can't change the channel. Yeah. And everything, facing. Yeah, everything on it is obnoxious anyway. Yeah. And uh, what if there was a little uh, display of uh, fiction and poetry? Yeah. What if you could just pick up a book and start thumbing through it? You might get Gray, hooked. Grey Wolf Corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of uh, Us Weeklies and uh, um, Guns and Gardens or whatever magazines are over there. <laughs> Do you know that magazine? No. It's actually a very good magazine. Called Guns and Gardens? I think so. Oh, my God. Let me look this up. Sweet. It's a... Uh, uh, a I've seen it on, on the tables of most of my... College-educated oh, Southern friends. It's Garden and Gun. Garden and Gun. I got it backwards. Garden and Guns gun. and Gardens is different. That's that's like a uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> For the uh, uh, Garden Club uh, set of Laurel, Mississippi. Yeah, it's like the it's like the, uh, the psych folk version of Guns and Roses. Yeah. Yeah, celebrating ten years. So it's is Garden and Gun. This is interesting. It's got handsome cover photography so it's supposed to be this seems to be for affluent slash quote-unquote classy uh like well-heeled gentlemen and woman farmers uh living on plots of land near college towns that sounds about right it's uh maybe the southern um atlantic okay the atlantic of the south as opposed to the oxford american being whatever it is, sure. Being maybe the Harpers of the okay. South. Okay, now now I should have just read the description of the thing. Garden Gun represents a celebration of Southern lifestyle at its best. It delivers a unique look at contemporary South sporting culture, food, music, prominent people, events, literature. That's us. And ideas. <laughs> That's us. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, so not, anyway, I'm yes. Not a, I'm not opposed to this magazine. Uh, so but uh, yeah, the, I'd rather they had the a gray wolf corner at the the Jiffy Lube. Mm-hmm. I'd also, um, I don't know, they're always the co- they're always out of coffee. They like they they're they're proud of their coffee. They say here have some coffee, and the coffee's right here. Go in here and have some cup of coffee while you wait. There's some coffee. There's the styrofoam, the very small styrofoam cups, and then you you press the vacuum button mm-hmm. or whatever it is the. The push them out, the coffee push them out button, (laughs) and nothing comes out. It's like a false pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so it was good, good to see uh, the friends at AWP. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't find anything new. I didn't. uh, The books, the book fair was large and well, well mannered. Uh, but I didn't really explore. There's such a, a gap between tables. It was. It seemed like a. Uh, it was too big of a space. Interesting. To, I've got to complain about something. Yeah. Instead of being too cramped. But I didn't. Uh, There's a lot I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't come home with anything new. Didn't really encounter anything new. Of course, I didn't go to any panels or anything. Uh, but uh, uh, it was good. I went to Iowa the next week, the following week. Oh yeah, doing. What were you there for? I can't remember. I was talking to my nephew and a few other students at Drake University yeah. in Des Moines, seeing my friends BJ and Julie, and uh, 
discovering Des Moines, much larger city than I thought it was. Yeah. It's actually kind of a big town. Hit some good thrift stores. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. And uh, then I went to Iowa City, Iowa, mm-hmm. to, um, uh, to read some poems at Prairie Lights Bookstore. Excellent. Which you, have, which you are familiar with. And it's a fantastic bookstore and a fantastic town. I will be not- uh, reading there in a couple of months. Very good. And um, just to, just want to put a little just want to put a little uh, pin on this bit, and I want to continue talking about our travel logs. But I have a reading scheduled for Prairie Lights. It's after the semester ends, so most of the university people will probably be out of town. They didn't really want to schedule it for this date, fearing uh-huh. a small crowd. But it's the only time that really fit into my schedule. So, how do I get people to go? To Prairie Lights in late May, I know two people in Iowa City. <laughs> I think a lot of people hang out there or around anyway. Yeah. And it's very convenient and part of their general circuit to go to readings at Prairie Lights. Um, and the, the schedule of readings there is well advertised around town. I think that, that uh, you get people to go. People yeah. come. Okay, okay. I just have to... The let, excellence of the book. Oh, thank you. Presentation will precede it. The information of my arrival and presentation has to enter the minds of those people who might go. That's the problem. I mean, I'll employ social media, um, but I don't know how many people are actually reading my social media. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, a lot know. of help that was. Sorry, man. I mean, I you know I, I went while school was in session, so yeah. So did um, you did you get a decent crowd, and did you read with a friend? I had a very nice crowd. I read with another poet, um, and uh, I had I I I've only passed through Iowa City uh, twenty years ago, taking AJ to uh, Chicago. Oh, really? Uh, and I had a friend who was in school there, Nick, uh, and he was out of town at the time, so we uh, gassed up and passed through, and that was my Iowa City experience. Although it seems like half of my friends went to college there or uh-huh. something there, so I, I, you know, I know about the city and and uh, and I spent a couple of days there staying with with my friend Nick who lives there again, and uh, found it very pleasant. It reminded me of a little bit of Lawrence. Yeah, Ithaca. Yep, yep. I like it for those very reasons, and I'm going back to Lawrence too. By the way, very good. Uh, went Thanks through to, uh, past, uh, some time at uh, a good bar, Dave's Foxhead Bar. Yeah, which was uh, cozy and storied. Let's take a look at it. And had a wall of uh, old mantel clocks, which I I liked looking at while I yeah, drank that, the beer. That's great. So Dave's uh, Foxhead Tavern doesn't have a website, which is a good sign. Yeah, and it's surrounded. It's on. It's in. A, it's a low building at an intersection. Yep. Oh wait, 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 wait. Yes, I've been there. I've been there. That is a great bar. It is a great bar. It's a great bar. It's one of the greatest bars. Yeah. Well, by by mostly by virtue of company and simplicity. Yeah. And cheapness. Yeah. It's it looks low from the outside, but when you go in, as I recall, there's a feeling of spaciousness there. It's high ceilinged. Yeah, it's high ceilinged. Yeah, it's a box car basically. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it turns out I have a lot of friends who are there right now or are, happen to be there for the semester. Um, so I had a lot of good friends to catch up with and uh, got a nice tour of the town and saw the various sites and uh, thought it was fine. But the, uh, the the magical part of my whole trip to Iowa yeah. was that I felt, I felt like uh, uh, Mrs. Thurston Howell. Yeah. Lovey, Lovey. I felt like Lovey on a fabulous, not not marooned on an island with professors, <laughs> but um, I like how you added professors yeah. to your vision yeah. of. Yeah. That's what Gilligan's Island needed more professors. Yeah. Anyway, go on, Lovey. Adjunct professors. <laughs> Gilligan's Island entirely people with adjunct professors. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you felt like Lovey. I'm Professor and Marianne. <laughs> uh, so I felt I felt like I was on a fabulous shopping expedition. Yeah, I felt like Zsa Zsa Gabor. Yeah, um, in Singapore. <laughs> because both uh, both Des Moines and Iowa City, it turns out, have uh, multiple independent. Big and tall stores. Oh yeah, I didn't notice the people of Iowa being appreciably larger than the people of Oregon or 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 Kansas. They just understand the value of a big and tall person and have elected to cater to him or her. With with the different different wares. So I, I, most every place else I live, the, the big and tall clothing industry has been uh, consolidated and dominated by one company. So, which is the, the clothes are fine. It's it's expensive, and everybody big wears the same shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can, if, if it weren't if it weren't otherwise immediately obvious, you would know other members of the secret club <laughs> by the uh, by the uniform. Yeah, which is not just the uniform of of having a lot of excess weight, but also of there being four shirts to choose from. Yeah, uh, the short sleeve and the long sleeve. Uh, plaid, uh, uh, you know, no iron shirt. But here in Des Moines and Iowa City, there were uh, multiple places to go that were carrying such shirts as I'd never seen. Yeah. Non pleated, flat flat front <laughs> slacks that uh, that were of, of uh, quality construction. Um, so I, I uh, ended up, uh, uh, and also it was 75 degrees in February oh, uh, God. and I was, I had brought my uh, heavy Carhartt coat. Uh, well, sure you did. <laughs> buying, uh, needed a short sleeve shirt to walk around. So I, I, uh, I, 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 um, I have a newfound appreciation of Iowa. Turns out Iowa's, uh, uh, has, has much larger cities than I thought, mm-hmm. and uh, has a much better dressed big and tall men. I like I, it. I like a trip to Iowa, and I like I like to drive there from another place to see yeah. see Iowa scroll by as you arrive in the city of your choosing. So I approve as well. well. I have a I have a question though. You we talked about this in the phone briefly, and you made reference to one of these stores had a special. Big and tall only elevator. 
did. Yeah. I think it was called Ewers, E W A R S, men's clothing on the downtown, the main strip of Iowa City. Um, and uh, an old family owned store, a vertical building, uh, you know, the first floor, the basement or so, were normal clothes, collegiate, well dressed things. And then, uh, they had a sign that said they had big and tall, and I went in and I said, I didn't see, you know, didn't see anything. And I said, oh, well, that's, that's up on the fourth floor. Now, here's our elevator. And it, had to, it was an old elevator. I had to, you know, the clerk went, rose up with me in the elevator. Wow. And, uh, sat, you know, leaned against the window and did crosswords while I shopped. Uh, <laughs> oh, great. There were stairs. Yeah. But they know their audience. Yeah, and they also they also know when you know when a, when a big guy comes in, they think, "Ha crossword time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mainly an excuse. Yeah. I said, "I don't want to uh, uh, keep you from, you know, attending to other customers." He said, "No, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. fine. This is working out for me very nicely." Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I went to New Orleans last week. Yeah. What was the is, uh, the pretense? Oh, to speak some poems mm-hmm. to a uh, modest uh, audience and also to talk to some students over at NOCA, the yes. old arts high school where I taught for years. One of my all-time favorite uh, events that I've done. It was so, so much fun talking to those students. Great students. Uh, and that remains remains so. School's doing great. Um. So I got to see, you know, I haven't been able to spend as much time in New Orleans for the last four years, four or five years, mm-hmm. um, as I was accustomed to doing even after leaving it. Interesting. This also corresponds to the years that you have had a small child. Does it? It does. Let me think. Huh. <laughs> I'm sure that those aren't related at all. Last time we went, we took we took Oscar, and it was a lot like not visiting New Orleans. <laughs> As someone who's only been to New Orleans with tiny children, <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was great seeing all of a bunch of my old friends who are all prospering and uh, looking a little bit older, but yeah. uh, but sure. still handsome and beautiful. More, uh, more handsome butter. and beautiful. Butter keeps people, uh, the butter keeps the skin looking good, but the, the hair does get gray and, and uh, complicated. <laughs> Uh, is Anne still uh, living down there? Indeed. Good. Uh, stayed uh, just around the corner from Anne and, and her family, and we—I I t- I didn't intentionally time you. Just any time you go is a good time. But uh, uh, it was the same. My visit was concurrent with St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. and I was staying on the same block as my old bar, Marky's Bar. Um. And uh, they have a big Irish parade that starts there. The downtown Irish parade starts at uh, Marky's Bar, or maybe it starts at Bud Rips. But anyway, it was it's very early in the in the in the parade, and they march through the Bywater, down through the Marigny, and into the French Quarter, and I think all the way back to Ireland. Um, if they're lucky, <laughs> lose track of them. Parade gets smaller every year. It's ten thousand strong. Uh, it's a big night. It's a nice, it's nice to see a parade in New Orleans, even though this is very modest by any any standards. But it's it's the neighborhood parade, and it was nice to be there. And uh, a friend of Anne's had a 
uh, courtyard uh, party right next to the parade, and we ate uh, it was a lot of charred-boiled oysters on the grill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a crock pot full of beanie weenies, the old New Orleans favorite. Oh. Beanie weenies. Could you Barbecue tell me sauce. what that is? Is that just, just hot dogs and, and beans? It's not a New Orleans favorite. It's a... Uh, uh, it's just a large party staple. Uh, beanie weenies are like little smokies. Mm-hmm. Little smoky. These infantilizing phrases, beanie you're, weenie or little you, smoky. Yeah, have you forgotten you're talking to your adult friend now? <laughs> I have. I have. You're not doing taxes in the child's bedroom. I don't you're... two adults as a rule anymore, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, uh, excellent. That sounds like a very fine trip. Not done. Go was on. Very nice uh, sausage chicken gumbo. Yeah, was uh, um, a little fried boudin balls. Mm. Very nice. Um, there's nice jambalaya. There was uh, crawfish pasta, which is a very nice thing that you may Ooh. not have elsewhere. Which is no sometimes crawfish monica. Um, just a, a kind of a you know, bow tie pasta, crawfish, and kind of a creamy sauce. Yeah, and that sounds good. Right sounds real good. And uh, and there was some beer. Had some beer. Should mention that. And uh, uh, my friend Dale was spinning Swamp Pop and old R and B records um, at the Lost Love Lounge later that night. So I went and went and caught up with him. He's a Photographer who who's moved back to New Orleans and is uh, the head preparator at the historic New Orleans collection, and uh, is a DJ on WWOZ and has has developed a mania and obsession for forty fives of old R and B. Wow, fantastic! Which is an inexpensive hobby, to be sure. <laughs> um, yeah, he was showing me his finds and then telling me the story of how he. You know, the, this quest to get them, which uh, seemed like a lot of work for a little piece of a little piece of vinyl. You, though, could become the most beloved creator of mixtapes in your social circle if you have such a hobby. Is that a position still? I don't think so. Although... But that's, that's like blacksmith. Side note... Um, uh-huh. Webmaster. It's like one of those old-timey jobs. Still sorting through all the old junk in the wake of my move. And uh, unearthed a whole big container, you know, like thing of cassettes that I had forgotten about. I had had one thing full of cassettes, and I rescued a few beloved ones from it. And I figured, oh, that's all that's left. But in fact, there was like a huge amount left. Some of them uh, I had to throw away because uh, a rodent had nested in the box and had urinated all over them, and there was really no saving them. But about two-thirds of them, um, I you know, didn't, didn't actually have direct contact with uh, rodent bits, and so I uh, put them in the, you know, washed them off, put them in the sunshine, they're as good as new, and I've been listening to uh, mixtapes that I made and that friends made uh, for me in my early twenties, I have mm-hmm. a, and I actually have a cassette deck and, um, nice to kind of pop, pop one in while I'm cooking or during dinner, 
and uh, um, just sort of uh, roll through the uh, the old obscure classics of my past, and it makes me think. I would like somebody to make me new mixtapes. I would like to make a new mixtape. That what sounds I, like an invitation. Ooh. Send John mixtapes. <laughs> yeah, send John mixtapes. Care of uh, creative writing program. <laughs> Cornell University. Cornell Two, University, Ithaca, New York. 250 Goldwyn Smith Hall. 250 yeah. Goldwyn Smith Hall. And what's the zipper on that one? Uh, 14853. One four eight five three. Does that zip code again? <laughs> One four eight five three. Yeah, yeah. Send me a mixtape. Of course, now I realize that the way I would probably make it would be to make an iTunes playlist and then tape it onto a cassette, and that doesn't—that's not right. I would—I would have to go. I would have to do what your friend does and go down to the record store and yeah. and find some old forty fives and listen to them and compile a pile of good ones and. Uh, I'm directly from, from the record to the tape. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the only way you get the imperfection of the start and stop, which really marks the the mixtape. Yeah. And I'm set up to do exactly that. And I probably should do that. I have enough, I have enough old records that I have never put on mixtapes that I could make a mixtape just off Mm -hmm. of vinyl. Maybe that'd be good for my soul. Maybe that's a thing I should do. Kind of an exquisite tedium to it. Yeah. I think you should do it. Yeah. Yeah. I used the, to. I used uh, to. The spirit of Walter De Maria's uh, meaningless work. <laughs> Beautiful comparison. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, I, I'm, now I'm remembering sort of the art of making a mixtape, which involved knowing the song well enough. Because so, in those days, commercially released music was not compressed to within an inch of its life. So it had dynamic shifts in it and there would be quiet parts to the songs and then there would be loud parts to the songs. And you wanted to get as hot a signal to tape as possible, but you don't want to overload it and distort mm-hmm. it. So it would depend upon knowing what the loudest part of the song was going to be, dropping the needle on the loudest part of the song to get a reading, adjusting the input on the cassette deck uh, so that it would just it would just clip because you want it to be you want it to just push push it a little bit you get a little yeah. bit of that natural compression you get from overloading a cassette yeah. but not so much that it just sounds just like a series of of yeah. farts and then yeah. uh I, and rem- then, I remember not doing that at all yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've got a couple tapes you made me and you are correct <laughs> <laughs> yeah Love this be a lesson to us all. Yeah, you could, there was a tape that was in my car for a long time. Skunk was on one side and Zoom was on the other. Mm. Two good bands right there. Yeah. Skunk. And, I think Skunk is, is maybe getting a new appreciation because of uh, Matt Sweeney's... Um, more move. popular later band. Well, no, other I don't think that affected the popularity, the popularity of, of Skunk. No, but that new, the new—it's not Song Exploder, but the uh, um, his uh, podcast and interviews and YouTube things. Oh, that that's right. Lately, whatever those are called. What are those called? Uh, Did, does he do guitar moves? Is that I think him? It's guitar moves. No. Yeah, guitar moves. Guitar he, moves. Yeah, there's a great. Um, there's a great guitar moves interview with uh, Dean Ween that I. Oh, is there? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to check that. Out. 
Yeah, hold on. I'll, fi I'll find it and uh, put it in the notes. Um, yeah, that's where Dean Ween tells Sweeney this. He, t he tells him this. Uh, he has this whole philosophy of how, how you should strap your guitar on. You can, you can, I think the exact quote is something like, uh, it can be above your dick and it can be below your dick, but it can't be over your dick, yeah. which is of course the way almost everyone holds a guitar, right. but it's true. It's like you get your, you know, you get your like six sixties folk up by your chin yeah. position and then you get your Dave Perner down by your knees position. Yeah. But all those people, all those people have dick freedom. Yeah. DF. Yeah. People want, when you see someone on stage, you want to see their legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure you do. We've, we've talked a lot about this. Farlake is, is a, a, I believe very firmly, uh, no shorts on stage. Okay. If yeah. you're on stage, you should, no one, nobody wants to see anybody wearing shorts on stage. Yeah. Even if you're playing like a garden party in summer. One exception is, uh, Aiden Fitzgerald in the fine new band Nail Polish. Mm. Which I recommend people checking out. Okay, hold on. Seattle band Nail Polish, who I think tends to wear shorts, but also makeup. So he's got a whole thing. But uh, generally, I think no shorts on stage. Um, uh, but uh, so Skunk's the magnificent band. I, I, I think that uh, hope some people have listened to it as a result of of that. Uh, I think that is one of the one of the greatest rock albums of all time. Uh, skunk's album uh, laid yeah it's really good uh, it's i can't really remember that there's a what was the band members of skunk formed afterward that was more popular it was much 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 more popular um was it chavez, uh, chavez. yeah that's also chavez. the chavez record is really good and then they chavez disappeared fine yeah yeah and then, and then Sweeney was recruited to play in Billy Corgan's uh, brief super band Zwan, yeah, <laughs> with uh, with David Paho, another great guitar player of our generation. From what band? I, I don't remember. Uh, Louisville bands, various okay. Louisville bands. David Paho, P A J O. Yeah. Um, maybe it was a Slint. Was he a Slint? Oh, he might have been in Slint. Yeah. Um. And you know, a number of other things, uh, and I thought that that was that was not going to be able to fail with two of the greatest guitar players uh, uh, that I knew of. And uh, you know what? It did fail. It wasn't very good. Billy really <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm. Had, by the way, he himself had not decided that these were two great guitar players, but somebody. Uh, that he trusted had told him that, and he uh, um, uh, and he just sort of bought them. Um, I'm sending you a picture of nail polish, by the way, in which one of the band members is wearing jeans, one of them is wearing shorts, and another seems to be wearing a, no, ho a, ho a hospital gown. A hospital gown, yeah. Oh, and this is this is a painting by uh, Justin Duffus. Duffus. Yeah. Uh, uh, was a really good painter from Seattle. D U F F U S. Yeah, it seems to be some. It's like a painting, uh, painting photo collage type of type of thing. Mm -hmm. I will absolutely listen uh, to this, and 
Oh, you can buy it on cassette too, which is the new new thing that young people are into, which I like. Mm-hmm. My child is into it, into cassettes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rodney Anonymous, um, a friend, Philly musician, and uh, 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 did McMahon, rock and roll man, went on a rant on Twitter the other day against vinyl and cassette. Um, saying they were nothing but an affectation and a waste of money and that you should just buy some goddamn MP3s and shut up. Which I don't agree with, but it was utterly delightful to read. Mm-hmm. For those who listen to music. <laughs> for, those, for those who still enjoy life. Yeah. <laughs> those happy few. <laughs> happy, happy few. So those, those are my my trips. I had a couple. You want to hear about them? I do. Um, my travels involved unexpectedly one okay restaurant and one spectacular restaurant. I went mm-hmm. on a little mini mini tour of upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, had a, a uh, taught a class. I, I, I devised this uh, flash fiction chapbook class, um, master class for Cat, Catapult um, in New York City, and taught it last fall, and I'm teaching it again ne- next month. Where it's just basically there's a workshop thing, there's a little lecture, there's some readings, and the idea is to try to think of a think of a gimmick for writing really short stories, and then uh, do variations on that idea for like ten of them. Um, a kind of concept that uh, to a poet probably is not very shocking, but fiction writers don't do this kind of thing very often. So, mm-hmm. um, so it was a very fun class and I got asked to teach it, um, at, uh, uh, Mohawk Valley community college where I gave a reading last year, which is where it's in Utica. Um, and, uh, made some friends up there. Uh, English prof uh, named Rialda and her husband Alan. Alan is the only actuary in Utica. Just and, one, yeah. And I, uh, he's got a he's got a Thomas Pynchon podcast, and uh, he, he um, I hadn't seen him in six months. And the first thing he said to me um, when we showed up at the restaurant to meet them at the bar, he he like clasped my hand and said. Have you read the entire Russia dossier? Because you have to. And then we had a delightful evening of paranoid uh, raving. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so I taught a version of this class at MVCC. And it, it's great because uh, the crowd there consists not only of tr- sort of traditional college-age students, um, but also townies, uh, like retired newspaper writers, Um, you know, crazy people, uh, nice Uh people. Um, it was really, really fun. Townies and gownies. Townies and gownies. Um, when, if the gowns are say hoodies. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, we went out to this restaurant called, uh, Ventura's. I'm going to. I think, by the way, I think I've finally learned how to use the messaging function of Skype. So I'm. You seem to be using it adeptly. 
Yeah. I, I couldn't, I didn't used to be able to get it out, like, so that it would stay on the, on the app. Right. Uh, but now I've figured it out. Ventura's restaurant established 1943. Yeah. Unchanged since 1943 is the, is the, is the selling point. Their marinara sauce recipe is prepared from the finest ingredients, sprinkled with imagination, seasoned with love, served with pride. Uh-huh. It's been passed through three generations. Passed down through three generations, that's different. And been loved by so many. <laughs> Sorry, Which I is said- why we've decided to make it our first product it's not for let's erase the generational human centipede image from our minds and move on yeah (laughs) yeah you can enjoy it right in your home um something to be passed through the system in order to uh uh, germinate (laughs) i think the most expensive coffee is something that has to go through like uh, a lemur has to eat it, I think, um, before you can roast it, or, or so I've been told. <laughs> you hear a lot of things. Uh, there's a little uh, nice little uh, page of uh, family members. Um, it's almost all uh, gentlemen in late middle age are, are the people who work there, um, and they wear the vestments of uh, old style. Waiters, career waiters, and they were uh, there since they were reluctant teenagers, probably. or the judge gave them a choice. <laughs> um, there's a fella whose dual uh, assignments are to ten bar at the bar. You can see pictured there on the website, um, and to help you remove and later put back on your coat. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wearing a hat. Also, I want to talk a little bit about hats in a minute. Um, I was wearing a hat. Were you asked, you asked to remove the hat? Uh, well, I naturally removed the hat when I walked into a building. That's what a gentleman does. But, of course, it had to be put somewhere. And there was a shelf in the closet for hats. And the guy who removed our coats um, sort of gazed up and uh, had to had to shove aside some, like, obsolete uh, audio, like, AV equipment in order to make a space for the hat. And I realized that that's, it's not, not a lot of people are wearing, are wearing hats anymore. I'm, I'm pissed that, uh, did he, appreciate, o- did he appreciate your red make America great again hat? Or did he <laughs> about it, or? Oh, Eddie, no, no, no. I just want to say that I am angry that I have reached the point in middle age where I can, I can wear, uh, a hat, like a gentleman, but the fedora and its affiliated uh, styles have been co-opted by a bunch of fucking cigar-smoking jackasses in the alt-right, and uh, now fedora is like a is like a is synonymous with these people, and it pisses yeah, me you off. You can't wear a fedora. You can't wear a fedora. No, you haven't been able to really wear one since what sixty-three, sixty-two. Well, there's hats that are, uh, they all, all the styles bleed together. I need to look into this. I found a hat that I quite like that is not a, I don't think it's a fedora. I don't know what you'd call it, but it's a Homburg. No, it's, it's, it's sort of felt. It's a, it's a, uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get it. I'm going to show it to you. 
You tell me. You tell me what it is. Well, I just think I, 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 I would. I wish that hats were were worn. Uh, but the groups, the groups that wear them tend to be. So you have the alt right people or uh, swing dancers, ska aficionados. Yeah, and Walter Mosley. Uh, some people can pull it off. Yeah, hold on just a sec. I'm holding on for a second. All right, so this is this is this is what I've got. I gotta get my winter hat off. Hold on. Not a fedora. No. But what is it? Just a, just a hat. Yeah, it's just a hat. It's just an hat old man hat. Brim. Not bad. Fine hat. No, thanks. Yeah. Uh, not, uh, um, no, no great flair to it. It's just a, a reasonable, reasonable hat for a person to wear. Exactly. Okay. I'm glad that's, that's fine. I'm glad that's looks, how you feel. Looks good. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so there you go. Um, Anyway, so Ventura's was great. Uh, there's a food. I'd never heard this term before, and I had to ask um, what it was. I it, We arrived late to the hotel the night before the event and went into the kitchen to get like a late light dinner. And um, there was something called vodka riggies. Vodka riggies? Riggies. And... Uh, then at Ventura's, there's also vodka riggies, and what this is is a, uh, it's rigatoni. Rigatoni. Yeah, but rigatoni. it's got a special sort of cream sauce made with vodka. Okay, like vodka but, penne. Yeah. Rigatoni. Yeah. So it's that, but it's but this particular variation on it is a Utica area specialty. Everyone knows what huh. this is, and I had never heard of it. A vodka riggy. Yeah, and I I ate it. I ate some. Yeah. They were good. Yeah. So I recommend this place if you're in... Rigatoni's the kind of spiral one? The spiral? No, I think it's uh, it's like penne, but it's it's uh, wider. Well, yeah, it's bigger. Wider. Mm-hmm. Not so big as a manicotti. No, no. That's a that's a whole... That's like a, that's like a pasta meatloaf, almost. Mm-hmm. A mini pasta meatloaf. A, a pa, an entrepastolata. Yeah. So the following night, um, uh, I went to uh, Binghamton, read at a conference uh, called the, what the hell is it called? I got a, I can't remember what it's called. Hold on. Um, I'm going to find it. It is the This is embarrassing. Writing by degrees is the name of the conference. It's a it's a writers conference. It's a conference about writing that is run by graduate students from uh Binghamton University. Binghamton. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh it had been it had fallen into disrepair and it hadn't been held for a couple of years and these kids uh, well they're not kids, they're grown-ups. Um uh, reconstituted it and uh, put together a p- pretty nice day and uh, gave a reading to a small but really engaged and 
fun crowd in a nice space with great sound, um, which is rare. Um, I could hear myself. The people could hear me. There was no feedback. Uh, it was in an atrium, so people kept uh, walking their dogs past us, but that was fine. And uh, then we went to the Lost Dog Cafe, um, which I had thought was an Ithaca thing. But what it ha- turns out that it had started in Binghamton, and they tried to open it, reopen it in Ithaca, and it didn't work out. Um, and I, I went to the one that didn't work out. Um, Is then, it a hot dog place? It's not a hot dog place. It's a it's a bistro-y uh, lounge bar and restaurant. And the one in Binghamton, the original one, turns out to be very nice. Um, and uh, uh, I can highly recommend the... Uh, it was a very smoky, s- smoky ravioli. So Jesus looks up from his smoky ravioli, and Thomas comes <laughs> and says... Is it me, Lord? And he says, no, you will doubt me, but you'll never betray me. And this, this ravioli is excellent. <laughs> so yeah. Judas comes and says, is it me, Lord? And Jesus says, is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? <laughs> and he says, no, it's this delicious ravioli. <laughs> it's going to betray me. <laughs> Did you feel betrayed by ravioli? Yeah, I did not. I felt uh, delighted by it. This is the Lost Dog Cafe, Binghamton, New York. Yeah, Binghamton, New York. I don't know anything about Binghamton. Um, it's on uh the it's on the southern New York State's southern tier. It's on a river. Um, it's it's got a college in it. You wouldn't necessarily go there, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's the closest Popeye's chicken to uh, Ithaca, which is worth knowing. You what don't have your own? No, we don't have one. Move. Move to Binghamton. I know, I know. It's it's have one that. of the... Get out! <laughs> <laughs> There's something I want to ask you about. It's totally different from what we've been talking about. Um, and that is uh, your... Uh, uh, collages. I mentioned oh, okay. this. Mentioned this when I saw you at uh, in DC, and um, I would I would hear. I heard you. I overheard you telling some people ab- about the thinking behind your collages, how they came about, what you're trying to do. Because you've been doing more and more of them the past year. You've been putting them on your Instagram, and yeah. uh, they're really good. I have one. You made one that you've given to me. It's hanging above my. Um, my uh, little little lucite bar cart mm-hmm. uh, in a gold golden frame, and it involves a chicken and some uh, eight track tapes. Oh, that's a good. Oh, it's a wintry scene, right? Yeah, it's a wintry scene. Yeah. So, uh, what I want to know is, uh, how'd you start this? Because uh, and there's, I, I do remember you coming to visit uh, me, and when o- when Owen was just a just a little one. Mm-hmm. And uh, making uh, collages with him. Really? Yeah. That was a long time ago. So, so talk to me. Talk to me about your collages, Ed. Um, I don't. I don't have any great principle behind it. It's. 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 it's uh, I mean, I've always monkeyed around with it in the way that that everybody doodles or you know plays around. Um, 
I mean, I, I, we have an art table. I sit at it with Oscar while he's doing his things, and it's. I guess I started redoing it, um, just to pass the time, to sit there with him while he made his art, because I had the materials, had some scissors. You had some I old had a magazines. Bunch of old, I had a bunch of old Life magazines and Holiday and Look magazines from the '60s that I'd been uh, hauling around that belonged yeah. to my grandparents. That I mean, it wasn't like anything valuable that they'd been they sort of had ended up not being thrown away you know yeah um and uh it was a big stack i was thinking well i could throw these out or i could no maybe i could monkey around with them and cut some things out and then uh just started doing more and more of them Mm -hmm. and then buying you know uh, uh something better to put them on than just uh notebook paper and then getting a little better uh, fixative or glue. Because um, I like to have a, uh, I think it looks nice. If you, well, I guess this is decoupage, really, yeah. to have a, a you know, an, a, a surface to them that, that makes them all, helps them, them look joined, right? In a little bit of a sloppy way. Yeah. Um, it's no, I'm no Lou Beach. No, no, but I'm not who, using who like among a, us uh, is? I'm not using a uh, like a uh, uh, a good cutting device to make even lines <laughs> with things. <laughs> That's all right, though the 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 uh, the rough edges of your of your cutting. Yeah, I like to, I like a to feature. Tear them. It's a feature. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In yeah, fact, I like, I like, I like tearing. I think it. Uh, go ahead. When you did it, you know, 15 years ago with Owen, we t- we tore mm-hmm. them. That was your instructions yeah. were to tear them. Yeah. I think tearing is tearing. Uh, you get the the human line from tearing things, right? Yeah. Um, and also the the edges then kind of soak in the glue in a little better way, mm-hmm. like the 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 fabric nature of paper, and then they can sort of join. Kind of helps helps the, the if you tear it, it helps it kind of melt into the other paper better than a cut. Sure. Um, I'll buy grafts that. a little better. I I just uh, eBayed a bunch of old uh, Life magazines for super cheap, um, and I'm puttering around with them. I mean, a lot of poets do collages. A lot of people do collages. Um, so I don't think there's anything particularly special. I mean, Alice Notley does them. Ashbery does them. Yeah. Uh, you know, just another little thing to do. And what if I, I what if I made some? What if I made some? Kind of looking the same, you know. I don't know. I think I think you have a distinctive style. I mean, Lou, you know, Lou certainly has a distinctive style. And I Looser, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to you know. There's there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of new uh, Lou Beach collages in Ithaca right now. By the way, there's a show at the Corners Gallery. Really? Um, yeah, a group show. There's that in, involves a bunch of uh, upstate New York artists, Lou Beach, and there's one Gary Panter. Uh, Nice. painting and uh they're terrific i, I was just yeah. there yesterday i'm gonna i have to instagram it because he has been emailing me kind of threatening me to go i told him i would go but then he he said he said that you i had it. to go he had yeah. that i had to go or he would denounce me online or something so i'm gonna yeah. so i went and i'm glad i did the, the work there is very very good I think he has a big show at some gallery in Chicago right now. Yeah. 
Candlestick Gallery, I think. Yeah. Lou Beach. Big Lou Beach show. Come he's, to the beach. He's good. He's good at art. He is good at art. Good at art. He's good at writing, too. I like... I, I, uh, I, did, I, I agree. What, what would you do if I, if I did, made some collages? Would you say... I speak. I would appreciate them. Would you? Okay. I think they would... I can't quite picture what they would be. Because a lot of it depends on what, what your source material is. Exactly. This is what I think about... Every few days I think about this. I think if I were going to make collages, I would have to find a cache of something. Right thing. Because it has to be, it ends up, for me, it's it's a kind of critique of the source material. Because I'm sure. destroying it, you know, in the process of it. So, I mean, I, I both, I'm, I'm both like these, this, that, that kind of, you know, color and texture of life magazines of the 60s mm-hmm. is tremendous, but also belies. Oh, you know, a horrible, horribly facile decay of everything. <laughs> um, you know, go on. You know, they're about America, John. <laughs> oh, yuck! <laughs> yeah, the, the, the the capitalistic uh, flattening and devour the the, the the flattening and devouring aspects of of late capitalism. Boy, there's the title. Mm. <laughs> uh, so yes, I I love the one that you sent me, um, and uh, I love the ones you put on uh, Instagram as well. I got some good, got some good, uh, good magazines for this next next round. I'm I'm really excited. Well, also there's an art. So I, I'm teaching at this thing called the Attic Institute, yeah, uh, which is run by David Weisbiel. Here in in Portland, which is kind of like the Hugo House, uh, more more focused on workshops, less less on a lot of other things. Um, smaller place. It's on Hawthorne, but it's been around a while, and I have great students there. And um, there was an art store on the first floor that just closed after twenty years, and they were going to relocate. And then they decided, ah, we're, let's just retire. So they went out. So they liquidated a lot of great art materials for you know pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And so I got a lot of, a lot of uh, kind of I like a wood, a lot of nice pieces of wood to decoupage on, mm-hmm. some and some uh, nice uh, sharp exacto knives, you know. So great. We'll see what some tracing paper. Got a lot and of you, good stuff. You may be going to enter into a, a, a phase of uh, greater precision in your uh, cutting. I'm going to try to see. I'm going to see what happens if I can. Um, I mean, I like. I like. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of great images that I end up destroying by trying to cut them uh, with scissors or or by hand. That hopefully I can excise a little more. Okay. Uh, precisely. Um, but. Um. You making music? No. No, I see behind you a series of keyboards and synthesizers. Well, they're all uh, um, and a melo- melodion, melodicon. Yeah, there is a melodica back there. I think um, is, is there a thing called a melodicon? It's like an emoticon that yeah. you play with your mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, what's back there? So yeah, this, having- this, is, this is a melodicon. Wah, 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 wah. 
<laughs> Those are melodic ones. <laughs> of course. Auga. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've, I, got, I just have some old, uh, uh, like, t- not toy keyboards, but like home keyboards, like a, like Casio, some beloved Casio and Yamaha home keyboards. And I oh, actually, right behind. yeah, yeah. Your, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and this is, uh, this is, uh, I found this in, uh, oh, I just have a few things. And yeah. then I'm, you're pulling things out of the, from yeah. the frame of the camera. That yeah. I can yeah. See. This, this, this is a, a really rare Casio that I found in a, uh, Brand, uh, it's it's great to find a brand new Salvation Army, like one that opened the week that you show up. There's a new one uh, near New Haven, uh, yeah. where my girlfriend lives, and uh, she's a big thrift shopper, so we're, we're always on the alert for places to go look for junk. And uh, ten bucks. This is a keyboard you'd pay like 150 dollars for That's on eBay. Good. If you find good. one at all, and I was I was overjoyed, but when you get you know that the store was so new that it was like the first flush of let's dump our shit here, mm-hmm. um, and there was some pretty good stuff. So that's good. That's good. I'm on the lookout for a tuba. Really? Browse a tuba or a sousaphone yeah. at one of these Salvation Army crawls. I uh, uh, grab it for me. They're usually only one or two thousand dollars. <laughs> I was going to say that's a. <laughs> <laughs> of our friends have a spare tuba. Yeah. I uh, like it. Um, I you, will, you don't run across as many tubas. No, you don't. Well, they, they take, you they take a bolt. down. If you're tired of it, you can just melt it down into bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike a lot of other instruments that just gather dust. <laughs> um. Is there some is there some project you're planning on undertaking that involves a tuba, or are you just going to see where it leads? I, play, I played the tuba and the euphonium, yeah, um, in school, and I, I just kind of want to play it again. Oh, I found out when I was back at Noka, I had a valve trombone that I played for years that I gave to uh, Noka. Yeah. Um, that uh, the musician Trombone Shorty, uh-huh. who. Uh, uh, well known now, but he was a, a student at NOCA when I taught there, and he was back. Um, he comes back and gives clinics and things, and that he uh, uh, took a shine. It's still at this. That didn't give it to him, but they they uh, took a shine to it and played it at a uh, played it for the students to show them how a valve trombone works. So my yeah, yeah. my valve trombone has been validated. <laughs> trombone Shorty, who I hope will now change his name to Valve Trombone Shorty. <laughs> You should petition him. Petition him for exactly that. Yeah. So um, we're we're getting towards the wrap up time, but you have sent me a link to uh, Grandma, your, your the beloved uh, beloved small press. It's a new press out of out of Seattle, mm-hmm. um, run by some people I admire, uh, and they're in addition to putting out five or six books a year, starting with uh, this year with uh, Sarah Galvin's Ugly Time, mm-hmm. great book. Of poems, she just read here at Mother Foucault's on Tuesday night, and read those and a bunch of new poems. And I just, I am just head over heels in love with the poetry. Oh, great! Um, Sarah Galvin and, and and I was I was looking at this room of of good poetry readers and savvy people who who like her work, and I was seeing them people sort of not quite getting exactly what she's going at 
going for. I mean, even people who are already appreciating her. I, and I, I just really wish uh, um, I wish that some people with a critical bent outside of the Pacific Northwest would kind of take a close look and, and give some appreciation because I think it's really tremendous. I mean, her, her, her poems are they're funny and uh, you know devastating, but there's there's something that they like immediately immediately they're immediately complicating in a funny way. Um, and then they sort of un- untangle themselves in a way that that liberates the reader. Yeah. Right. Sort of you know, starts out with this this knot. It's usually you know a comic knot, um, but then the untying of it. And although you know they're also outrageous and entirely inappropriate. Um, and something about the way that she untangles them untangles untangles our uh, liberates all of us. Untangles our our general brain knot. Yeah, that are great. So this that's their first book, um, but they're also doing a daily, daily poems, uh, which are not ne- not merely print necessarily. And so uh, yesterday was uh, Zachary Schomburg's day, yeah. and uh, the 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 piece is a about a six minute video poetry collage. I was thinking of it not only because it was on my mind generally, but you asked about collages. <laughs> Yeah. Is that a dog? Do you have a dog, a coughing dog? Okay. I'm just threw up. Um, but it's okay. He's eating his vomit. Oh, okay, good. Of the things I'm going to have to deal with today, that is really low down on the list. <laughs> I'm drowning here. I'm drowning. As the kid is about to turn five, it's, it's all shit. Um, dog, I, I look forward to cleaning up the dog vomit. <laughs> Anyway, tell me about the amount of big dragon. Dog vomit, you know. Um, so this is a magnificent uh, piece by the. I don't know if you know this 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 guy's work. A poet who's been around for a while. Um, his first novel is coming out uh, later this year, called Mammother. Uh, but he does uh, uh, little video collages too, kind of yeah. inspired by Maya Darren and other and, and his own weird head. And uh, and this is worth this is worth your six minutes of, of viewing. Great, it's, it's kind of about dragons, but most of the video is about um, uh, owls and hawks uh-huh. and uh, maps and mm-hmm. a variety of voices. Uh, it's funny and chilling. Great. And, uh, um, I see and also I, that um, uh, his novel. Mammother is being put out by um, Featherproof Books. Um, they put out a story collection by uh, Patrick Somerville. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. a former Cornell student, uh, now I think best known as a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. He's, he's one of the producers of uh, The Leftovers, the final season right. of which right. Right. was written in part with the help of uh, Leela Bayak. And okay. is dropping, I think, in a couple of weeks. And um, mm-hmm. his collection, uh, The Universe in Miniature and Miniature, is a terrific book and was put up by Featherproof. And uh, I'm gonna, one of the readings I'm going to give on my upcoming tour, and I'll, I'll talk about this more at a, at a later date, but um, uh, I'm reading with, uh, in Spokane with Sean Vestal and Lena Crow, and, uh, or is it Lena Crow? We haven't met in person, so I haven't heard her pronounce her name yet. But um, she has a story collection that's just come out. Uh, from Are you Feather, Auntie's books? At Auntie's, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and now uh, and now Mammoth are so. This mm-hmm. is these are good these are good things that they're that they're making. Yeah, Mammoth has been fantastic. Uh, I was in when I was in New Orleans. I saw two uh, two friends whose books are coming out this year, um, and got to see the the galleys of the Futilitarians by Anne Gisselson. Oh, great title! Mm-hmm. Which is about her existential crisis book club. Great. Another matters. Great, great. And I had lunch with Bennett Sims. Sure. Young, of uh, who's who's. Uh, uh, questionable shape. His zombie book came out a few years ago. Yeah, his uh, collection of uh, short stories, white dialogues, will be coming out in August. Excellent. Um, I think that was published in Electric Literature. The one about the, the extras. Yes, the, yes. The film critic who's giving a lecture about how he's devised a way to hear what the extras are saying. Yeah. yeah. In old movies, and and uh, and then he goes mad as he. Uh, discovers that they're basically saying, uh, leave us alone. Uh, <laughs> and other, uh, uh, um, the great literary writer, but also, I mean, these are all horror stories. Um, you know, in a, uh, in, in a very real sense that they, they give me the chills. Yeah. Um, they give the- me the frisson of great literature and the chills of King and Lovecraft. Excellent. That's that's good. That's good. Uh, when's it coming out? August. We should talk about them more when they when people can buy them. But I will look forward to both. I've of already ordered my copies of both. Well, that's very smart. One of them. You what? I've already pre-ordered five copies of each one of them. Fantastic. So that'll be for so I can disseminate them vigorously. That sounds that sounds dirty. That's all so right. I can disseminate vigorously. <laughs> The earliest opportunity. A practice that I, I recommend to all for uh, books that they think they might like. All right, you want to wrap this thing up? Um, no, having also pre-ordered Broken River. When yeah, yeah. does it when start showing up? Uh, May sixteenth. May sixteenth is when it's uh, is when it is uh, being officially being published. And let's see here. Um, I'm going to move over this the rectangle with you in it so I can see my notes. Um, the book tour, well, I have a reading here in Ithaca on May 5th, but the tour proper kicks off at Word Brooklyn uh, May 9th. And actually, while we were talking, I saw a notification come in on my laptop that Dan is from Danis Biata, who has agreed to do an in-conversation-with event with me at Word Brooklyn. So in New York, Dana and I are going to be, I'll give a reading, maybe she will too, and then we're going to talk to each other. Do you think she's just doing that because she learned that you and I will be um, talking at Powell's Bookstore <laughs> later so. on that month? I think so. I think so. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, we, this has been this is the tour where I'm trying to get as many people to do stuff with me. And actually, the booksellers have suggested this, and I'm, that has excited me. So I've confirmed that I'm going to be talking with you at Powell's. Uh, I will be doing a dual reading with Alyssa Washuda at Elliott Bay. Excellent. Uh, Lena and Sean will join me at Auntie's, uh, not for an interview, but just for a big, big group reading. I'll be interrogated in Denver at, uh, Tattered Cover by Elisa Gabbert. Um, uh-huh. going to do a thing, a gray wolfy thing in Minneapolis with Benjamin Percy and, uh, and now the thing at, at Word with Dana. So most of May I'll be on the, on the road. That's great. We're looking forward to having you out here. Me, me too. 
Can I sleep? I'll, be, I'll be at Powell's twice that week. I'm reading yeah. with Greg Pardlow like two days before you're here. Yeah. Great. Oh. Um, and is there, I, uh, might you have an air mattress you can throw onto the floor of that office for me to sleep on? Um, may even, may even have a real mattress. All right. All right. Great. Cause I'll, this I'll will be, be the room. This I'll be requesting that. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, good talking to you. Good talking to you too. Uh, let's do it again in a couple of weeks. We can do it again. Yeah, having a uh, continuing the podcast. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, people uh, have been asking. Have they? Yeah. Well, here's the answer. We're podcasting. Here we are. We're back. We're back. Don't call it a. We're back because we <laughs> never actually left. Yeah. The place. We're just a little slow. I think is how LL Cool J called it. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All, All right. right. See you, Bye. buddy. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Cause it's time for lunch. Box with engine. That's right. It's time for lunch.